Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode four of season five. Sam and I had a recent discussion around Microsoft Defender for Endpoints, an antivirus and EDR solution for user endpoints and servers. Here are a few things we covered. What is Microsoft Defender Endpoint and how did it become a, a leading EDR solution? What capabilities does Microsoft Defender for Endpoint uh, provide? How is how is Defender for Endpoint different from other AVs and EDR solutions? And how is it licensed? We've noticed a large number of you aren't subscribed. If you do enjoy our podcast, please do consider subscribing. It would mean a lot to us for you to show support to the show. It's a really great episode, so let's dive in. Hey, Alan, how are you this week? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah. Good, thank you. Um, I, I I don't really have any updates from the week, to be totally honest with you, technology-wise and Microsoft-wise. I'm sure there's been a, a fair few things I've seen, but I, I can't really think of anything. Is there anything that's been announced or released recently? Uh, not that I can think of off the, the top of my head. Um, been sort of diving into um, yeah work, really, this week. It's been yeah. pretty, pretty busy, so... Um not a chance to sort of venture outside of uh, the day-to-day. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think it's um, the sort of uh, lag of Christmas is, or holiday Go season on. is definitely over now, right? You know, it's just, I think it's like slowly got busier and busier. You know, I think you had like, maybe you had what's everybody returning generally back to work second week of January or, you know, either first or second week of January, then all of the delays that happened over Christmas and then everyone's like, we want to get things moving. <laughs> X, Y, Z, right? You know, so it just sort of, yeah, just sort of catapults uh, along ahead, doesn't it? So. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we've got loads, yeah, we've got loads of projects and we? they're just like, yeah, <laughs> it's cracking on with. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been on some of the, um, the product preview stuff, which I can't talk about at the moment. So I suppose I do know a few things, but, um, but yeah, all that sort of kicked off, I guess, last week or the week before around, um, new, new badges for the, the program and, um, some of the new updates sort of in that area. So we should probably do an episode on that actually around that. Yeah. That I, was just, I was just thinking about that. Definitely calling out that there is a, um, like a, it's called the customer connection program, isn't it? Is it CC? Yeah. Is that what CCP stands for? So yeah, um, it's it's sort of a way to help uh, give feedback to Microsoft about up and coming product updates. So I think the only real requirement is is that your company's NDA'd. Is that is that right? Mainly, yeah, because it's open uh, to end user orgs as well, isn't it? It's not just uh, partners correct. and MVPs, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you haven't got an NDA in place, there, sort of organize that to be put in place. So it's not, yeah, um, like exactly. if you don't have it, that's it. You're out. No, 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 no. But so, that's, you know, if, if you've already got that in place with Microsoft, it's a relatively easy uh, sign up. So, yeah, definitely check that out because, um, yeah, we'll definitely do an episode on it as well because it's um it's worth calling out in its own right because you get some really good access to some uh, really nice, uh, you know, uh, people in the community and also Microsoft as well. Right. And you help to shape product direction as well. So um, instead of just sort of waiting for updates to be drip fed to you as it becomes public preview or or ga um you, you you get to shape some of that not everything but you get to shape a lot of it right as well and you get badges and stuff swag yeah 
Yeah, it's cool. It's all about <laughs> swag. No, it's not. Um, uh, cool. What, what were you um, talking about this week, Alan? Uh, so I think last week I said that we haven't done a Defender for Endpoint um, episode. So I think it's time to kind of talk about that this time. Because I think it's this we've sort of not... We just thought it's been sort of there and we th- assume that you know we've sort of we talk about it all the time i think in various episodes because yeah. kind of key to some areas but we never actually talked about it <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's so. definitely uh how did i describe it today uh like the glue between a lot of things isn't it <laughs> right um yeah. so so yeah it's quite a pivotal part of the uh three six five well, it's not just 365, it's also Azure as well. Microsoft um, security uh, stack solution, uh, whatever words you want to use um, for it. So no, it's going to be good, going to be a good episode, I think. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, no, let's, <laughs> we'll see how we go. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, so Alan, uh, let's, let, let's, let's get moving. Um, wh- what is Defender for Endpoint? And, you know, sort of, um, can you give us a brief history uh, where it's come from, uh, what it is now? Yep. So, so today it's sort of two parts. So, you've it, Defender for Endpoint is a um, antivirus and anti malware um, solution um, for on Windows um, as well as on other various um, platforms, um, and then it has a um, endpoint detector response capability um, today with um, some various areas around that, um, but. Um, to talk about its history so um uh let me think about this now so um windows defender um started coming into play i think it was windows 8 maybe i can't quite remember um but you know definitely was baked into uh, windows 10 and windows 11 um as a antivirus solution that was baked into windows um and previous to that it was called I'm going to say security essentials. I think it was on windows seven and, and previous. Um, and I believe that, um, when that came out and Microsoft sort of had it and it was free. Um, I think, you know, the AV solution got a bad name for itself. Yeah. Bad, bad rep, but it not being, you know, too, too great. Um, and then when it became into windows 10, windows 11, it kind of kept that, I guess, bad traits or bad feedback around it and that it was you know just what it was previously but just rebranded sort of thing um but over the years um over the last sort of two or three years if at least um microsoft has been investing you know into that capability um to enhance it to improve it um and then they brought in defender for endpoint um, which then was the the edr next gen protection kind of um solutions and brought that into sort of windows uh, sort of the start of windows 10 and and then definitely windows 11 <clears throat> so so today um defender for endpoint um there are two plans we'll talk about that sort of sort of later um but you've got um vulnerability management um so detecting some of the capabilities um or you know vulnerable vulnerabilities in your in your os um, we've got attack surface reduction we've got next gen protection so um, using the cloud and the you know, Microsoft Security Graph to identify um, zero-day potential attacks and then you know, um, protecting against them um, near real time. Um, endpoint detection response, like I said, um, we've got automatic investigation and remediation, 
And then we have got Microsoft Threat Experts as part of that sort of solution. So um, it's definitely come a long way now. Um, and um, when you look at like the AV AV tests that are coming out now, it's coming up as being one of the you know top top solutions now. And I think on the the Gartner, the Gartner or the, yeah the Gartner quadrants um, is now in the you know top right, um, sort of starting to sort of lead along around with some of the other EDR XDR solutions. Yeah, we definitely um, we definitely see. I would say a confidence in the product, like in the enterprise space, mm. don't don't we? I, I I don't know. It might just be the circles that I sort of travel in, but I see very little negativity of the um, sort of the efficacy of the detection or response element, right? Um, I. I don't know. The, the the thing for me, as I suppose, is I see a lot of, I do see a lot of organizations putting it in place. But then again, we also work with a lot of organizations that have it in place day to day. And we don't really seem to get a lot of pushback in terms of how effective it's been in, in, in responding to incidents, right? You know, its capability. No, and I think probably a couple of years ago when EDR part came out, Defender for Endpoint part came out. Um, very people were very um, cautious about the solution because of its previous history, previous like versions of it not being you know so great. Um, and yeah, I think that at that point there was probably a lot of resistance to to move against other AV and EDR solutions that've been out there because they've been out there for you know two, three, four years, maybe you know longer side of things. So. But because of the the latest you know, improvements, upgrades, features, um, the integrations with the other parts of the suite, um, it kind of became, you know, front and center. Um, and then with with you know, with the AV tests and the other parts being, you know, done, um, sort of the you know, third party you know validation that it is a you know potential you know is a good AV and EDR solution then. It's now brought that confidence back up into well, you know, is it much different to what my other AV EDR solution does? You know, is it above and can I, you know, consolidate my services into sort of one solution? Yeah, and do you think a lot of that coverage and maturity, I suppose, comes from because they effectively have a free antivirus product, don't they? In just regular windows defender like you know uh you went and bought a pc and it would it would come automatically with defender on it i mean you'd probably have some bundled something else you know from from whoever you bought it from right but you know if you if you didn't want to pay for antivirus as a personal home user you'd have the benefit of windows defender anyway you know just antivirus malware no edr capability there but i suppose they've got the huge user base haven't they of all of those signals flowing in so because i don't know but i assume that a lot of people do but also a lot of people don't purchase antivirus products or at least keep those subscriptions active right after a free trial period in a personal sense right so there must be a huge user base of just defender across windows right yeah 
Uh, I guess there is. I mean, I I've been used probably using Defender for personal Windows Defender for personal use for forever now because it's been you know, it's been easier to sort of manage. So I guess it's and also if you've got a uh, Microsoft three six five personal or family subscription now, you get the EDR capability. Right. Okay. Now, sort of yeah, baked. Okay. It's sort of you don't you don't see the back end of it, but it's like. You get that EDR capability automatic. It's almost like, um, I guess, similar to like Defender for Business, maybe where you don't see as much from a back end. It's just all it's just in automatic mode, sort of thing. So again, you get more signals there going into the, into the solution. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. So, um, so yeah, should we should we dive in a little bit um, further? Because you you did talk about you know, a lot of different capabilities there. I suppose, are we going to jump into some of those now and talk about, you know, platforms that it covers and other features? Yeah, so, so you know, uh, originally, as we kind of said, it all sort of, Defender for Endpoint was always based on Windows operating system. You know, that is, it's Microsoft's first party operating system. So, you know, it was baked in and, and and that, um, but Microsoft have um, over the years um, been moving into the other other era. So it now does um, Mac OS um, for you know AV and EDR. Um, it's been doing mobile threat defense for Android and iOS. So not quite the same as um, your, your typical a, you know, AV and EDR, but. Um, definitely looking at um, scanning your applications and and um, checking your your um, sort of vulnerabilities on that on your endpoint there for your your mobile f- devices. Um, and then recently, oh well, not recently. They've been doing Windows Server, um, and they now recently start moving into um, the Linux space, and that's now sort of covering majority of the, I guess, the operating systems. I don't think it's doing Unix at the moment um, from sort of the, the Linux side. Um, but there are some key sort of OSs that they do cover uh, within the Linux side. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what they're covering now. And uh, majority of them are quite mature um, with new features coming across the, the board um, with those. Um, and and yeah, I don't know what out, what other OSs they might sort of cover. In, or I talked about WSL, didn't I? The couple of weeks ago i guess that's another one that's in public preview for the wsl environment on a windows device um i guess there might be in the future if chromebooks can have an av on them if it needs it i don't know it's a good question might be based on android maybe um but yeah so that's kind of the the platforms they cover so cover you know the main ones uh today um and yeah Okay, so yeah, I think um, what what's sort of um, management like on all of those platforms? Because hasn't it traditionally been a bit? We've had good coverage of like management of Windows machines, Mac, Android, iOS, but hasn't Linux been a bit lacking from a configuration and management perspective? But I think that's changed recently, um, hasn't it for Defender Endpoint? Yeah, after double check that but um in essence um and we'll probably talk about it's probably sort of diving into um why is um defender endpoint sort of different to other 
EDR solutions. Um, and that's because, especially on Windows, um, it's baked, you know, uh, the Windows AV is baked into the operating system. So it's there no matter what. If you have another AV on there, then it goes into sort of passive mode or turns itself off because it understands that there's no AV in place. Um, but because it's baked into baked into Windows, um, with 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 other AV and EDR solutions, um, you would configure the AV settings via the you know the AV portal console, you know, where it's on premise in the cloud, etc. But because it's part of Windows, you actually manage it in group policy or Intune, depending on which, where you are on your journey. And that's quite different because you don't really have, you know, you don't go to a console and go, oh, I need to change this config. It is like you would do, you know, group policy changes for the device itself. And same with Intune. So when you're doing updates to configuration, they're sometimes not instant changes because the console is not constantly being um, queried about if there's any updates. It's more that it's waiting for group policy to, you know, um, refresh or in tune to push the configuration down. So it is very different on how you configure it. Um, and sometimes with some of the customers you get, they they expect it to be sort of, um, you know, I make a change, it's instantly updated kind of thing. Or I need to, I need to be able to like force a sync or something. Um, yes, you can do that on, you can do GP updates and you can do, you know, Intune syncs, but it's based on when they're happening. You know, you can also configure um, Defender for Endpoint with Config Manager. And that's whenever that decide, you know, whenever the Config Manager decides to, to do that sync as well. Um, so it's definitely very different in that sense, but the benefit, the, I guess the, the benefit is it's, it's baked in to the operating system. So it's sort of layers in where an AV or a potential attacker can, it's more difficult to disable it because it's part of the operating system. It's not like something like you can uninstall because it's, it's there. It's, yes, you can attempt to disable it. And yes, there is functionality of Interfender Endpoint to prevent tampering with it. Um, so that's where it's different. Um, and with Mac and Android and iOS, you could configure them with Intune if they're you know, Intune enrolled. Um, that was how it was previously. And like you said, with Linux, you'd in effect have to create a config file and then deploy it to the endpoints originally. So you'd have to use Ansible. Um, I can't remember some of the other ones that you can use. Um, but some of the other sort of Linux management tools uh, deploy that config out so then they get that to then determine what they do. Um, in the last six to 12 months, probably the last six months to be fair, um, Microsoft have moved it so that you can do um, uh, direct attached. And so what that means is that, especially for Windows Server, Windows, Mac, and um and what i think is also um linux um they can now connect to um when they get onboarded and we you've enabled um direct attach um it then allows them to um partially enroll the edr the defender for endpoint part into intune so they're intune they're edr managed or mde managed but 
um, Intune's able to push config to them, or is Intune's being used to hold the config for them and to deploy it. Um, so that's the new part. So you've, you're starting to get that centralized um, location for, for your configuration. Um, what Microsoft have also done with the portal is that even though it's within Intune, the actual, you know, the config is in there, um, you can, uh, admins can see it in the Defender for Endpoint or the the Defender XDR portal as a sort of m mirroring what you can see. So you don't have to have somebody know Intune. They can just go to um, Defender XDR and update the config there and they, they just go to one place. They don't have to know they don't have to know how to manage Intune or you know, use the portal. So I think that's really good in itself. So yeah, there has been some some new stuff there to help with that centralized management. Um, not all config, um, a lot of the config now can be done, but some of the config can't be done that way. There is still stuff that hasn't been brought over. Um, not unless you're you know, full Intune managed where where it where you can Intune manage a device. Yes, I suppose the benefit from a Windows side is that the way that you configure it for organizations should feel quite natural to what they're currently doing with configuration of their actual machines, right? You know, it's yeah. it, it's just another set of config, whether that be in tune or group policy, however you manage either of those things, you know, if you have those in your organization. Because we could for larger organization, we should assume that they're at least using group policy, right? We could probably make that assumption. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, and that, at a minimum. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was saying that it's, it's very different because you expect to be able to go to a console and just do that configuration and yeah. the, all they all commit, you know, all the, the agents then communicate or the EDR solution communicates with that console yeah. where this is, no, it's actually like device config. It's very, it is very different, but like you said, it can then, simplify because you've already got already got those mechanisms in place yeah yeah because if you've got a, a like a baseline config for your organization for your endpoints you you effectively could just add in the config to whatever management solution you use and like away you go there isn't a separate i suppose there is a separate place to view the metrics that come out of defender because it's got its own portal right um but the actual config and how you manage it okay yeah you've got to learn that because you've got to understand what the config is, because it's going to be different to what you're currently using. But if you're if you're an organization that jumps between AV and EDR vendors based on your current pricing renewals, that can almost be more disruptive anyway, right? Because if you move from vendor A to vendor B, it's going to be a completely different shift in what you do, or you're at the mercy of that singular vendor. I suppose you could also say that you're at the mercy of Microsoft in some ways as well, because you're consolidating, putting everything, all eggs in like one basket, aren't you? You know, really. Um, so I suppose, so so there are a bunch of pros there because it's very similar to what they're doing today. But then the, the con of that situation previously was, is when you, when it's non-Microsoft or non-Intune, it became complicated or yeah. it was or it was different, right? So the Linux was the good example of, um, you know, was it Ansible, Puppet, and Chef, I think, something like that? Yeah. Ship scripts for. Um, and if you're an organization that's mature enough to have um, stateful configuration of your machines, I'm not sure how many, take every Linux server in the world, like how many 
are actually used under those. I bet you it's a good you know percentage of them, but I I, I would also bet there's a lot of just manually configured machines out there. Um, so that is a challenge that we have seen before because you start talking to the Linux server estate, you know, admins. Nothing wrong with the actual people themselves. It just wasn't a great solution unless you met those requirements, was there? So I suppose it's also good that that's now a thing. That whereas previously, you know, even with those third-party EDR solutions, they would have their own separate portal, so they could at least have some level of management and like updating of. But but I also don't know. I don't know because I haven't been one of those admins on how effective that management tooling was for the Nooks. You know, is is it immature in those other vendors? I, I I honestly don't know because I haven't I haven't been in that situation before. And I mean, as we're sort of talking around Linux, I guess the the other question as well, what we're seeing with some customers is that they don't have any A V yeah, yeah. on their Linux yeah, state. Yeah. And you know, we've had it with some customers that we've put that A V on there and they're like, Well, it's using the, the CPU too much or um <laughs> Or you know, a few other things where it's just a mis- not necessarily a misunderstanding, but um, they're not used to having an AV on there. And in effect, the reason why they don't have an AV is because the previous AV did the same thing or appeared to do the same thing. Yeah, and it might just be a char- characteristic of how Linux displays the the CPU and stuff. Maybe I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not a Linux expert or anything like that, but you know, no, no, but I think you've also got to in those scenarios where an organization hasn't had an antivirus or EDR solution on, let's say, their Linux servers previously, we've also got to account for whatever overhead that is going to place mm. on that server because they mm. might be sized for their workloads already, you know? Yeah. And um, and whereas traditionally, you know, maybe Windows servers have a higher uptake of antivirus, you know, or maybe antivirus on web servers on Linux only runs nightly, you know, for new uploads or, you know, we, we just don't, I suppose there's so many different scenarios there. It's probably not worth trying to, trying to generalize that, but, you know, I think the, I think the, I think the point I think we're talking about here is, is that Linux management is okay. Um, and the process for onboarding and offboarding is relatively simplistic as well. Right. So, it's it's not like too much of an issue to start pushing out to your test fleet or your staging environment to see how your workloads actually react before you go, you know, everywhere. Yeah, and and I think as well, I th- well without knowing other AV and EDR solutions, I think they'd probably be in a very similar situation because I think this is kind of the way, not because of Linux, but because of how they can interact with the the config and stuff like that. It might be that it's the same sort of cons, you know. I yeah, yeah. yeah that, well, or... yeah, but if you think like um, Windows is okay, there's different versions of Windows Server endpoint. Well, you know, Windows, mm-hmm. Windows Server. Um, maybe you've got your IoT versions and your embedded versions, but you know, relatively they're very similar, aren't they? Whereas Linux, I mean, we haven't even talked about Linux desktop, so <laughs> I suppose we could probably do that as well, but um. You know, Linux server, there's however many different distributions, hundreds, if not thousands, at least hundreds, if not thousands, right? Um, and they all have different package management. They all have different ways you interact with the system, different UIs, 
package managers, X, Y, like there's loads of things going on there. So what I'm what I'm quite excited to see is the coverage that they do have in that space. I think the point, I, the reason why I'm talking about it is I think I just, it's good for people to understand that they are thinking very cross-platform. It's not just Windows. It's not just Android. Um, it's Mac, iOS, Android, Windows, Linux. Like there is a relatively good coverage there. You know, it might not work for every single use case and it might be that you can only run Defender for Endpoint on your Windows endpoints and, you know, your server estate, you might need to license with something else potentially, you know. Yeah, and and from a capability sort of enhancement, um, it's probably for mentioning, yes, Windows tends to get it first, but let's, let's bear in mind that, you know, Microsoft own the operating system, so they are able to push that config quite easily and with the other operating systems they they may be tied to what access they're given to them you know if you think about apple and you know, what apis that you know it's allowed to plug into and to do that detection and, and things like that so um yes you know windows gets it first but where i've seen that the you know the updates have gone out to mac you know mac mac os next um and then if it's relevant for android and ios and that happens, um, and then it continues on to you know Linux uh, now. So yeah. So Alan, um, you talked about uh, vulnerability management um, in the first intro part. Do you, should we just dive into that a little bit more? Yeah. So as part of the Defender for Endpoint Plan Two, um, it's probably worth maybe just quickly talking about the the two plans. So Defender for Endpoint Plan One is in effect the AV and anti malware. So yes, that is part of um, your your license for Windows. Um, but what it does is the the Defender for Endpoint Plan One part then um, hooks up to the central console um, to allow you to see you know alerts and um, you know AV status things like that. So it kind of becomes that central console because if you don't have um, in effect Defender for Endpoint Plan One um, or Defender for Endpoint Plan Two. Um, you're not able to see the, the current status without running scripts or having, um, I think you might be able to do it with config manager if you've got that in place. So to be able to see essentially whether AV is turned on, that it's configured, et cetera, um, you need to have it um, hook, hooked up uh, using Defender for Plan 1. But in Plan 2, um, you get vulnerability management as part of it. So this is, in effect, because Defender for Endpoint is you know constantly looking at the machine, it knows what you know the OS version is, what your application versions are, um, what services are running, um, etc. Um, all the time, um, and then using its um, Microsoft's um, vulnerability sort of catalog um, that they've got, um, you know, provide through through various other sort of sources um, feeding into them, um, they're able to detect um, vulnerable software. Um, so you're able to see whether you need to update Microsoft Edge, Windows, you know, Adobe. Um, etc. Um, so you're able to see that you're able to see which devices have it. Um, you can dive in a bit more around the CVEs and see you know, how severe they are or what what type of um, risk um, it causes. Um, with some of those um, vulnerabilities, you can, I believe, put exclusions on them because it might be that you have old software and you have to have them um, installed. I'm I'm thinking more around the Java versions. <laughs> Um, cause you might have some really old Java versions for Java applications. 
um, which you might be mitigating the risk by um, containerizing it, containerizing it in something like AppV or um, MSIX, or um, you might be putting other security restrictions on the the config for it. Um, but yeah, so you can see all, all of that. So you can keep it. You can get see what sort of your um, exposure score is. So the higher the score, the worse you are. Um, that's just kind of showing that you may have you know, multiple vulnerabilities um, within the within the the you know, the operating system or the applications. Um, this works for uh, pretty much all the operating systems, I believe, actually. Um, so you can see from a um, from like a uh, Android device or iOS, you can see if an iOS device is out of date. Um, if we think about the recent um, hot fix that went out uh, for for iOS um, in the last week or so, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, you can see whether you know your devices are up to date and whether they're still vulnerable. So you can track your risk in 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 effect. Um, whilst the part of the vulnerability management sort of side of things, you can. Um, it puts it in a priority order for you to say where your, your, your biggest risks are. Um, but also you can set up a remediation task. So the remediation task um, allows you to, in effect, track, track the exposed devices and see, you know, as they're being patched in effect, um, the status. So you can see that, you know, um, a remediation for, you know, an update to Java, for, an ex for example, is 100% um, complete kind of thing. Um, as part of that remediation task, if you had a different sort of Intune team um, or a device management team that didn't have access to the portal, um, when you create a remediation task, you can create a security administration task in the Intune portal so that those admins can see that you've, you know, the, the security team has requested that this application gets patched. Um, so, yeah, that's it in a sort of quick thing. It's very powerful. It's very quick to sort of update it's not necessarily scanning like once a week or anything like that it's 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 updating as it sees changes so um the data it tends to be up into the portal quite quickly um with the interfaces sort of taking a little bit longer just to update to say that's been remediated but generally you can see that the you know you can always see that when the you know when that application was updated um within the within the logs all the time the timelines Yeah, having that visibility of your vulnerabilities built in is is really powerful, right? You know, because traditionally that would be licensed separately as a separate product. Is yeah. is probably fair to say, right? You know, um, have we done an episode on the vulnerability management add-on? We have done it, haven't we? It's just season, another endpoint that we haven't done. Season two, <laughs> yeah. episode fourteen. You you beat me to it, but okay, yes. yeah. Um, so, um. But what I think, what I think isn't really talked about, I suppose, is how good the vulnerability management that just comes out of like base defender for endpoint is, mm. right? You know, th there are additional things that you can do with vulnerability management. Don't get me wrong, one hundred percent, and in some certain circumstances, you definitely need it. But the amount of vulnerability information you do get back from defender for endpoint is really rich and really valuable, isn't it? You know, and can feed into other risk modifiers about machines you know so it's you know I, I know you've it's not free you've paid for it it's included as part of the defender for endpoint like well depends how you license it but you know your package 
Um, but it's it's still really powerful to have that all integrated in into one singular solution. Yeah, and and it's been there pretty much from from what I can remember from very early stage. It's not like it's a new feature recently. I mean, it's you know it's enhanced, you know, features within it is enhanced um, during the years. But it was sort of one of the first sort of functionalities that came out of it. And again, it was probably you know that the the whether it sort of stands to be um you know the same as as products like qualis um is to be you know i've not done any comparison around it but you know from when you've bought an av you know edr solution and then you've got vulnerability management i guess the question is is how much at least at least for your endpoints that you're covering in your servers that you're covering you know what more do you need what other services do you need to 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 look for vulnerabilities within it you know is it baselines for cis and things like that you know that is part of that other license that's that's um that's available to to include that you know if you if you buy defender for server plan 2 from defender for cloud you get the vulnerability management add-on it's probably worth mentioning so you can have all that other functionality you know it's it's just feeding in and probably one thing we haven't sort of mentioned actually is um the the device gets like a risk score of like clear, you know, no, no issues, low, medium, high risk. And that can feed into um, a compliance policy in Intune. So you can say that you're only compliant if you've got like a med- you know, lower than a, a, a low risk or no issue. Um, and then when you become non-compliant, you can stop access to cloud services using additional access. So, you know, it does tie in that way, you know, would, would you would you be able to and it's kind of coming into that sort of integration sort of perspective you know could you get qualis to give you a risk score of a device and then tell conditional access that no a device couldn't connect now because it's high risk and when does it next scan you know i don't i don't know maybe there is sort of a plugin or something but i've not sort of dived into that area yeah i think what i've heard from customers that are looking to consolidate that is definitely a challenge for them uh plugging different pieces of technology together you know and that's typically done by some sort of custom integration from my experience uh, that's that's me uh, tarring all these solutions with a brush right which probably isn't accurate you know because like you say there are probably integrations plugins you know we we see it a lot with vpn providers networking provide like there there are integrations it it would be unfair to not call out the great work that the vendors have done to integrate you know different solutions but i don't think anybody could really argue about how tightly connected and integrated all the defender solutions are really and that's that's probably worth actually talking about now actually about how it does integrate and we use the word glue previously earlier about how it does you know fit together yeah okay so so really even so when so defender for endpoint like we said is kind of quite key to some of the some of the some of the other sort of areas to feed you know feed them or help them um, provide services to the endpoints and in when defender for office and defender for identity or, or Azure advanced threat protection then 
um, came out, um, Microsoft already brought in this sort of connectivity between those solutions um, quite early on with the sort of automatic, automated capabilities. Um, so in effect, um, I think I've talked about this before, but um, in effect, you know, if you get a, you know, a um, an email that comes through, goes through um, Defender for Office, you know, isn't weaponized at the moment, et cetera, um, gets to the endpoint, a user clicks on it, it's a zero day, no one knows about it. You know, it starts um, behaving irregular, you know, whatever they've, the user has executed on the endpoint, you know, irregular on the on the endpoint you know defender for endpoint starts kicking in starts sort of blocking activity but as it's doing that it's feeding the defender xdr portal um within the information about what's happening and as part of that sort of automatic investigation it starts going hang on it looks like it came in from an email okay let's go and check defender for office so it goes off to you know exchange goes starts querying about this this email rescans it you know and checks and goes oh actually it's now been weaponized and another 30 people have got it. The email. Okay. Right. Let's tell Defender for Endpoint now to block that attachment. So now it can't spread. So that's it. You know, attack now, you know, neutralized locally. Okay. Now let's get um, Exchange to now do a zero hour purge. Just go and remove that mail from all the, everyone's mailboxes so they can't click on it. You know, that's that integration. Um, it could then tie into, you know, going into Defender for Identity and going, hey, what's, you know, what's the user doing? You know, because I've got the logs now from you know, Active Directory or, or you know, Microsoft Ventra now. Um, what's the activity? Is it unusual? Oh, it is. Right. Okay. I need to start now flagging up that there's unusual activity in, you know, in another, in the account. You know, so now you're starting to bring in all this technology and it's telling you all this information from multiple sort of solutions. And again, this is kind of tying into that defender xdr sort of solution that i talked about a couple of weeks ago i think it was can't remember um but that that sort of initial bit with those three sort of technology you know microsoft solutions was there from quite a you know quite early stage you know one or two years ago before xdr extended detector response was sort of in play so you know microsoft were already starting to do that with their their products and now they've included all the other ones but Kind of what we're talking about with some of the other, you know, um, integrations is that, you know, if you've got Defender for Cloud apps um, and you want to do cloud discovery, you know, before Defender for Endpoint was sort of integrated with it, um, you had to run a log collector for your proxy. So, or your firewall to collect the data. Now with the integration, because Defender for Endpoint can see what domains and URLs the users are going to, that now feeds that 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 um that dashboard that dis you know cloud discovery um report and that doesn't matter where the user is they don't have to go for a proxy now they can be wherever it is which is absolutely great and that data gets out there pretty quickly and then you've got things like um endpoint dlp now that's part of the sense agent that defender endpoint runs and again that's feed collecting all that data anyway what's happening on the device and now it's now feeding purview. You know, just having the agent on there is, you know, providing multiple services without the user even knowing and having to install multiple agents. So, 
So yeah, that integration is definitely sort of key and defender for endpoint is sort of the the glue, I guess, like you said, it's definitely core to the to the you know Defender XDR or Microsoft sort of solutions. Yeah, and lots of these solutions can work without it. They can yeah. all sort of work in their own right, um, integrate in different ways. Uh, but yeah, like you say, one single agent doing multiple things. Um, and I, I think because because organizations are organizations are very cost sensitive. I I don't know if they always have been, but they definitely are at the moment. You know, that's definitely a, a conversation that we regularly have. And so, you know, the adage of, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket um, kind of is going, it's not going out the window, but it's being talked about a lot less in favor of hitting budget constraints, you know, because what organizations don't want to do is they don't want to lose coverage create gaps they don't want to lose capability so this in some respects this is a good half halfway house really of still having good coverage but not having to license multiple like point solutions you know it's all integrated yeah and i, th I think a lot of organizations are seeing the yes there may there may be a, a, a single point solution that is you know the the top of best of breed kind of thing but you haven't got that that integration or ease of integration I should say um to be able to for them to for other, all the services to communicate with each other to see that holistic view yeah and and again we're kind of talking about the defender xdr part of it um but like we said you know defender for endpoint kind of did that from the start um whether you had the other services or not um and yeah, and I, I don't. I don't think we can deny the size of Microsoft in in this space and the amount of investment that they've made in it, right? Because those point solutions are narrower in their focus. I mean, there are outliers there that are trying to do you know multiple things and you know connect systems and have an integrated solution, one hundred percent. But typically, we see one tool for one job isolated siloed licensed separately you know and then you add all of those together and you're already paying your productivity license to microsoft you're already paying your windows license in some way as well to microsoft um so the proposition is really quite good you know you can you can uh we'll talk about licensing but you can package it all up in one thing you know it's it's easy to well once you've you know fallen off your chair gotten off off the floor about how much all these things cost and then you realize that you can uh reduce and consolidate and we have seen the efficacy of the solution in practice and there are organizations relying on this day-to-day -day and the integration which everybody is is positive you know what well, not everybody lots of people i should say the majority are, are positive about you know, because I suppose I wouldn't be in a conversation where they are offboarding Defender for Endpoint because, you know, my skill set wouldn't be needed in that conversation. Right. Um, but I just don't I just don't hear of that happening day to day in my in, in my travels. Yeah, it's quite true. I don't think I mean, obviously, we're in the, the market for putting Defender for Endpoint everywhere. 
<laughs> but I don't think the customers we've worked with have ever, at the moment at least, have ever decided to move away from it and from the ecosystem yeah. at the moment. I mean, don't get me wrong, they'll be tied into licenses for X time, but yeah, I don't... it'd be interesting to see if anybody is listening, if they ever, you know, if you want to submit a, a, a form into us. Um, and get in contact with us if you if you know of anybody or your organization's gone through offboarding defender for endpoint uh recently i would say as well you know with 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 changes in product it'd be really interesting to see what why that was done whether there was a, a another vendor that had good price parity or or better performance or you know some of the some other metric which meant or it wasn't a good fit for your organization you know maybe you tried it didn't like it and stuck with your current, uh, you know, AV and EDR, that might make that that might uh, be a, m- a more common scenario. But it'd be interesting to see if anybody ripped it out and went back to an incumbent. Yeah, it would be interesting. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Alan, uh, talking of money, how much? Well, how do you license it? That's, that's yeah, I'm not going to so. talk about. <laughs> pricing because it's all the skews and everything but um <laughs> what do you mean you so, don't know off the top of your head and every single well, i know i know defend, I, I think i know defender for cloud licensing so okay i'll talk about that but <laughs> okay i know so so windows uh, okay so user base so so licensing is user base for the endpoint so that includes um windows mac and android ios I don't know if it includes desktop Linux. That's a good question. I don't know that. Um, but those um, ones are covered under a single user license. Um, Defender for Endpoint Plan 2 is part of that for the EDR and AV. Um, you can buy it as um, on its own. You can buy it as part of the Microsoft 365 E5 um, security up, you know, uplift. Um, as well as the Microsoft 365 E5 SKU. Um, it is, it's also part of, if you just want to, it's kind of, there is Defender for Endpoint Plan 2, but you can, it's also included in the Windows Enterprise E5, which has other sort of capability along with it. Um, so it's kind of those covered um, for, if you're just having AV um, for in Windows, then it's Microsoft Defender for Endpoint Plan 1. And like I said, that's just bringing you a central console to see your alerts across all endpoints and um, see the, you know, their AV statuses and things like that. So it's just bringing a console in effect to you um, for that. And that's included in, you can buy it on its own again, but it's a part of Microsoft 365 E3 and Windows Enterprise E3. So a lot of customers already have that. So if, you just, if you've just kind of got AV and using Windows Defender, you can actually bring it into the portal so you can start centrally sort of managing it um, before you go full, you know, EDR sort of capability. Um, and then for servers, so Linux and Windows Server, um, that is, you can buy licenses through an EA agreement, um, but you, the main, the, the primary way that you can now purchase it is through Defender for Cloud. So, you don't have to have Azure Arc enabled to do that. You can just do direct onboarding now. That was a recent feature. Um, but in effect, there is a plan one and plan two up there. So plan one gives you uh, 
in effect defender for a server plan one it gives you effectively defender for endpoint plan two capability i know it sounds a little bit confusing um but it's like the full edr solution um and then defender for server plan two in defender for cloud um gives you um from a defender for endpoint perspective the defender vulnerability management add-on for servers but also other capability in Defender for Cloud for servers. So there's other capability there like um, um, agentless um, file scan or vulnerability scanning and a few other bits like that. Um, they're up there. So there's definitely more, va there's more value to be added there as well as um, you get some 500 megabytes per day um, ingestion free for long analytics as well. So if, you're, if you've got Microsoft Sensor on your um ingesting uh logs from servers then you can you can reduce costs you know or um yeah reduce overall costs um that way um the costs there are at the moment as far as i'm aware is five dollars for defender for server plan one um so it gives you all that you know that the edr capability and then the plan two i think is fifteen dollars from what i can remember um so yeah that's kind of how it's licensed, relatively easy. User gets licensed and then the endpoint does. Um, and like I said, I think it's I think you you're covered up to five devices per user, if I remember. Um, or around that at least. And it's kind of the norm for some of these licenses is sort of five endpoints. Um so, so yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to cover, Alan? Anything you think you missed? It's it's quite a big topic, you know. There's there's lots of rabbit holes we could go down, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really talk about attack search reduction for Windows, but that's more around locking down processes that are in you know Office applications, things like that. So just reducing the risk in effect of potential attacks. Um, Would you say it's reducing your attack service, Alan? Yeah, funny enough, yes. Um, I try not to use the same words. Um, try to explain what it is by using the words that it is, yes. Um, That's what yes. it says on the tin. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and I didn't talk about uh, Microsoft Threat Expert, so this is an effect in the background. Um, Microsoft are able to, um, in the background, um, they potentially see uh, multiple tenants anonymized. And they can see patterns across the, the tenants in effect. So they can then generate alert from them saying, we're seeing some activity in this tenant. They don't know who you are or anything like that. Um, but in effect, you can then get a, a not on a personalized one, but it's almost like some some of the bigger attacks that are happening across the you know the whole Defender for Endpoint you know, environments. Um, they can then start making, you know, identifying where you're potentially being attacked as well. Cool. Thanks, Alan. That was yeah, it's a great episode. And um, yeah, is there a previous episode that you want to call out? Yeah, I kind of mentioned it when we were talking about vulnerability management. So I mean, I can't believe it's season two, um, but season two, episode 14, <laughs> uh, Microsoft Defender Vulnerability Management, the add-on kind of thing. Um, it's worth going into. To be fair, we probably should. Do we need to update it? No, I don't think too much has changed since then. So we're okay. Um, cool. But yeah. That's probably the only other one. Um, obviously, Defender XDR a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, season five, episode two, just to kind of talk about the the general, you know, everything working together. Um, yeah, that's probably it. I think for other episodes. Um, what are we doing next week? 
Uh, next week, we're going to do a news update. Um, so this is um, January's news. So we're going to try and do a news episode once a month because we don't really think there's enough exciting stuff to do it sooner than that. We'll see how many topics we've got for next week from January. Um, it's not going to be everything. It's going to be what we sort of perceive to be the highlights uh, from the month. So apologies, product team, if we didn't cover your changes, but you know, it's just what what we got excited from, basically, in the past month. Cool. Okay. So, did did you enjoy this episode? If so, if do if uh, if so, please do consider um, leaving us a review on Apple and Spotify. Um, this really helps us reach more people like you. Um, if you have any specific uh, feedback or suggestions, or as Sam said earlier, if you've got any. Um, so, uh, if you've been uh, offboarded defend for endpoint, you know we'd love to sort of understand why. I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely. there's a note. There's a note in the show notes uh, to get in contact with us. Yeah, and if you've made it this far, thank you ever so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, thanks all.